Welcome to We Go There. Hi, Nikki. Hi, Lexi. I know that you said you were nervous about today. Tell me why. I'm so nervous. We have a sleep expert on today, and I'm really nervous because I feel at the end of this, I'm going to feel guilty about how I sleep trained Clark. I hate that. I really do. And I feel like this conversation of sleep training is so polarizing. And I love that it came out that you and I basically did very different things with our babies who are the exact same age. And I've also never wanted to talk about sleep training because I feel like it just invites a lot of judgment and a lot of assumptions about, you know, everything, to be honest. And so I've never actually come out and talked about this. People have asked me so many times on Instagram. They're like, "How did? what do you do for sleep? And I just make jokes. I'm like, yep, don't have any advice for you there. Not sleeping. Ha ha. And that's about it. Um, so yeah. And, and I haven't sleep trained at least Hendrick, my, my baby. And I don't know, we're going to get into it. And it's not to say that it's right or it's wrong. It's just, it just happened that way. And so I really hope you don't feel guilty after this conversation. I hope not too. And I also think it's just that people feel so like we feel so strongly as mothers one way or another, because I think we're just so we want to have gotten it right. And so that's what I guess I'm a little nervous of, but I'm excited to learn another side because I only was brought in on like the sleep training Mm -hmm. side of the conversation. I didn't really know that. I guess there's another way. So it'll be really educational and very (laughs) eye opening for sure. Well, I just let's just also say the, the woman that we're interviewing, Lauren, she's been majorly bullied online because yeah. she's saying something different than some of her other colleagues. And I just find it so fascinating that, you know, who would have known before we came, we became parents that sleep was such a contentious topic in the world of babies? Like, I would have been like, you're kidding me. Like, freaking who cares? Like, do you, right? And to some extent, I actually still believe that. Do you. Whatever works for you and your family is what matters. Why is there a need to have online bullying over who decides to sleep train their baby or not? Like it's bananas. It's bananas. It's bananas. So I think we just go there. Let's talk to Lauren. And just so everyone knows, Nikki and I did do very different things and we're very supportive of each other's techniques. (laughs) We sure are, girl. We sure are. So let's go and interview Lauren. Welcome to the We Go There podcast. I'm Lexi. And I'm Nikki. And our favorite conversations are when someone starts by saying, this might be TMI, but... Exactly. We go there. Because no topic should be too taboo, especially when it comes to women's health. We ask the questions you may be too afraid to ask and interview the experts to get the answers you need. So we're doing this completely unfiltered. 100%. Okay, let's go there. Sleep training is such a loaded phrase and one that is often used synonymously with letting your baby self-soothe or cry it out. There is so much information online with contradictory approaches towards baby sleep. Even top experts can't seem to agree with each one claiming their method is best. Confession, I have deliberately never talked about my experiences with sleep training on my Instagram page because I really just don't want to deal with the comments, questions, and potential judgment. But I feel like 
for that reason, it's the perfect podcast topic. Lexi and I have actually taken two very different approaches to sleep training, and we are excited to interview Lauren Heffernan, three-time certified pediatric sleep specialist and owner of Isla Grace Sleep to answer some questions for us today. Lauren, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to speak to both of you. I think it's kind of cool that you have taken two different approaches. And I also always want people to know that I actually did two completely different things with both my children. So I did sleep train my oldest using cried out. And then with my youngest, I did bed sharing and like co-sleeping for an extended period of time. And, you know, just the exact opposite with two different children. Um, So I always want to start off by saying, I get it. I've been there on both sides. Um, So I'm excited to kind of talk about this and especially the controversy around it. Oh my God, the controversy. (laughs) (laughs) I feel we should start there, right? Like, yeah, we just talked because I, I just watched the other day, your IGTV and it just broke my heart because of what you've experienced in terms of the online bullying and in your industry and just colleagues of yours, right, that would be in the same industry as you, um, actually like bullying you just for your perspective and approach to um, sleep training. And so can you just talk a little bit about that? Because you're so vulnerable about it. And um, yeah, our hearts just like really felt for you. Yeah, I mean, I think first of all, I will start by saying I am a highly sensitive person. So I fall on the scale of hypersensitivity for sure. I also have two highly sensitive children myself. And so putting myself out there in this industry was difficult to begin with. I think when I first started this probably six years ago, I was one of the only sleep people to be sharing this other perspective, um, at least that I had had contact with. It is a crazy industry because it's unregulated. And I think that that's something really important when we're talking about like, why do so many people have so many different perspectives is that it's an unregulated industry. It is a new industry. So it's very heavily dominated with, um, you know, people are coming from a, a lot of different backgrounds, but there's no standard in terms of the training that someone would take. Um, I come from a teaching background. I kind of thought, you know, you go to teacher's college and you finish, you become a teacher, you've taken some sort of standardized kind of tests or exams. Uh, Sleep training is not the same. um, And becoming a sleep coach can range from, first of all, you don't even have to have a certification. So anyone can say they're a sleep consultant. So you never know what you're getting and and where people are coming from. Um, But there's some trainings that'll be a weekend and you know and they're very kind of pricey and expensive so you know a weekend at eight thousand us dollars to what? become a, yes to become a certified sleep consultant um and you know my i have a certification myself that i built because i felt like the ones that i took were not giving me what i need and so that one is six months almost um and about 140 modules Um, So it's, you've got, we've got a wide variety. So when you ask, like, why is it so hard to come to an agreement about this? And why are people in the industry just attacking each other? It's because there is no standard. And so I think we're all learning different things. My very first certification, um, I, my teacher who taught my sleep certification was like came from a yoga teaching background. So like her background wasn't in infant sleep because there wasn't anyone who had an infant sleep background. So 
it's been um, it's been challenging. Um, I think we definitely have all have different perspectives on infant sleep, but also the information that we have on infant sleep is very dated. And so I think when these things that we all hear over and over and over again as new parents, like don't rock your baby to sleep, don't feed your baby to sleep, don't sleep in the same bed as your baby, your baby at six months should be able to sleep through the night. And if they can't, you need to sleep train. Like these have just become so much a part of what we have heard as new parents, that when someone says, uh, actually, hold on a second, where did that come from? How do you know that? Who made that up? Like, where is the, where is this information coming from? It can be really triggering, but it's even more triggering when you learned it in your sleep certification. And now oh, yeah. you're starting to question it, right? Totally, totally. And it it's hand in hand, like, how's your baby synonymous with how's your baby sleeping is at least in my experience from day one of like the measurement of success of like newborn parenting. Like, would you agree, Nikki? Like that's at least in yeah. my friend group, like that is the first thing. And so that's why I only ever really was exposed to that side of it. It was like, here's a book, read this and follow this. And your baby will be sleeping through the night by this amount of time. It, that was, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> I have about five sleep books. I have read maybe I've skimmed maybe one of them. <laughs> just like, Oh my God. And, and I just, it was just like, a, I don't have the time right now to read like textbooks on sleep. Someone just freaking tell me what to do. But at the end of the day, that's, that's like the dialogue, right? Someone just tell me how to get this kid sleeping. And that's why everyone goes to a sleep consultant because we are, we feel like we need, this must be an expert thing, right? Like the expert needs to tell me what to do instead of what, what feels natural is often something that we're like, well, no, that's bad. So I need clearly, if that's bad, then I need someone to tell me what to do. It's, it's interesting because it is so polarizing and, and there is so much disagreement between the experts. And, and I was saying earlier, before we started recording as a Pilates instructor, you know, we've all taken a basic certification. I mean, it certainly does vary, but most of us can agree on certain aspects and it's not completely contentious. And I just think it's so interesting that you're, you've got this industry where you, you know, I was reading a magazine article on sleep training. I think it was in today's parent, which is a big magazine publication here in Canada. And even in the article, they were like, they say, the journalist says, even the experts we interviewed for this article could not agree. Like, What? <laughs> But that's, I think that this is, it's so interesting because people, like a lot of people who are more in the sleep training camp and are typical more sleep trainers, um, you know, it's almost like they think because I'm not sharing that information, like that I haven't heard it or I don't know it. But the reality is I was trained with all the same information they had that like everything that you hear them say, like, don't feed your baby to sleep or, you know, you don't want any negative sleep associations, i.e. you don't want the baby to rely on the parent to go to sleep, which is what a negative sleep association is referred to. Like if you're helping your baby, that's a negative sleep association or, you know, your baby needs to learn how to self-soothe or the fact that you can train your baby to sleep at all. I heard all of these things. I'm not saying I didn't hear them. I took them in my first certification. They were a part of what I was doing. It's just, it didn't make sense to me. Like I, I really started to say, well, hold on a second. Where is this coming from? And if the only place I can trace it back to is Mark Weisbluth or Dr. Richard Ferber, 
that's not good enough for me. You know, for me, it's crazy because there's so many industries that have updated their information. Like no one's relying on information from the eighties, really. Like we've all changed. We, we know so much more about babies. We've gone to, you know, making sure that babies have skin to skin that we're trying to, for parents who want to breastfeed, that breastfeeding is being initiated right away. So we're doing all of these things and yet we can't change the messaging around sleep. Like it just, it's stuck and it's so heated for anyone who wants to. You just, it's like taking bullets every day from people so mad. So, So you have the most captive audience. Oh yeah. Like we just, as moms, you just want to absorb whatever you can. And especially when it's around sleep, for sure. Nikki, what were you going to say? I was going to say, I would love you to share a little bit more about your two children and talk a little more about the fact that you sleep trained your first, but you decided not to with your second. So was your experience in, you know, the difference between that, did that inspire your work currently? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a bit of a backstory and I don't know how much we want to get into, but I did, um, I felt a lot of pressure with my oldest. So uh, I'll never forget my husband coming home saying like, you know, all the guys on the desk are doing like, you just, it is a thing and you have to do it. Right. Um, and I hadn't really thought much about it at that point because I really didn't read a ton of books in the first couple of months. I really did just kind of go with the flow. I remember she took like one nap for 45 minutes from the time she was like five <laughs> months. I was like, we got this. Like I would go out in the stroller. We'd walk for an hour. We'd come back. You know, she will have slept for 45 minutes. I'm like, good, we got this. Um, and her nights weren't that bad, but um, you know, I remember him talking about it and he kind of said that this was a thing that we had to do um, and we did it and it didn't last as long as what I see for a lot of people. So I kind of saw that as a success, like something that I did that I did really well that, you know, Oh, it was so fast. So she must, you know, I, I did a good, I set it up, right. I did a really good job. Right. Um, I later learned that because of the sensory piece and because of her falling on that scale of hypersensitivity, which really like 20% of the population does, um, that she would be quicker to put up more defenses to be able to go to sleep on her own than let's say another child. Um, When I started to learn, I think that the big thing for me in the difference between why I did one and the other is because the reason why I sleep trained is because I thought she had to be independent because we hear that all the time. Like she needs to learn how to sleep independently. If she doesn't sleep independently, you know, she's going to be depending on me for the rest of her life. Like it was a bad thing. Right. And also this need to self-soothe, like she has to learn it. And so as parents, I think it's interesting when you brought up, like the first question is, is your baby sleeping through the night? It's weird because no one's asking that question because they really care about you. Let's get real. Right. Like, no one's like, hey, is your baby sleeping? Oh, they're not sleeping. Oh, let me come over and help you. That's not why we ask it, right? We're asking because it the, the minute we have children, it's like we're in this competition, like whose baby's gonna do it faster than somebody else's mm-hmm. baby. And sleep is where it starts. It really does. And the minute your response is not, you know, if somebody else's baby is sleeping or sitting or eating or whatever before yours, you feel like a failure. And this is how all of us start out parenting. Like there is so many kind of 
things that happen in the beginning, but specifically, it just seems like sleep is that first question just to make you have that sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach, right? Like, oh, I failed. My baby's not sleeping and their baby's sleeping. Oh, I guess I better sleep train, right? Mm-hmm. 100%. So it's, it's, that's kind of, it takes us down that track of like, ooh, like I, I failed. And then I remember I sleep trained her and I was like, oh, I got, I like, the, I got my gold star, like put it on the wall. I, I figured that out. I did it quickly. But with my youngest, when I learned that some of the things that I thought I had to do or that um, I was trying to teach her that I needed to do um, and I just ignored them and kind of trusted myself and tuned out the noise. At that point, I didn't have any friends with babies. Um, so I was like, I'm just going to do this on my own. And so we ended up bed sharing. I had to survive. I had a toddler, right? So I was like, I'll bed share, I'll nurse around the clock, like I'll do whatever it is that I wanted to do. And, you know, made decisions for us and for my baby that were informed decisions that I felt good about. And so it was just two different reasons for doing it, I guess you would say, or not doing it. And yeah. And so do you believe that given that now the path that you've gone down has been aligned with your second that it was more, and I guess like success isn't the right word to use in this context because of basically everything you just said of like the competition of it all and all that. But do you, did you just feel better about that? Like, what was the reason then you kind of going down that path of this being your, basically what you share and and are an expert in um, with your community and other moms? So do you mean like the second with my second second baby versus my first? So what I did with my second is I did what felt right to me. And I think that this is the thing that I always try to talk to parents about because it is a very hard thing to share the other side of sleep training. It really is because it's not comfortable for anyone, right? Um, And so one of my big messages for parenting is just you just follow your intuition, you follow your heart, you do what feels right, and you just have to ignore everyone else, right? I think it's interesting that we also feel like we need to know what other people do at night. Like, why do you care whether I'm bed sharing with my baby or I'm not? Why do you care whether I'm breastfeeding my baby or I'm not? Like, it really isn't, again, it comes back to this like weird kind of competition of like needing to one up each other. Um, So the reality is, is it's like, it's, it's just not anyone's business anyways. But But I will say with my second, it just felt more in tune with, um, you know, my wanting to be close to her and my wanting to um, respond in a way that felt right to me in the middle of the night. And it it almost took, I took the power back, right? You feel like in the first year, so much is given up to experts and books and what's right and, you know, and constantly bombarded with information, but I took the power back. I made decisions around stopping breastfeeding early because it was something that I wanted, that I I needed for myself. My reasons are my reasons, no one else's reasons, I always say. Um, But I finally took the power back and really parented in a way that, that felt right to our family. So... And that's the message right there, isn't it? You've got to do what feels right for you because I, and I've read, oh my God, the comments on your page. There's a lot of comments on your Instagram page. And I've, I've trolled through there in a good way before this interview to kind of get information about questions to ask you. And I, I feel like there's often the side where it's like the sleep training. Yes. Okay, fine. We know that 
you know, for so many reasons, it might not feel intuitive for you, but you've got to do it, especially if you're going back to work at six weeks, right? Like, especially for our American neighbors, like we know that not everybody has the ability to function and maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe you can speak to that a little bit about the other side where, you know, it is a very difficult ask for women to give birth and then go immediately back into the workforce. So, you know, I've heard people say that sleep training is more for parents' sanity than anything else. It is. And this is, if you look, so part of what's really shifted my perspective lately is I've started, the bigger my community becomes, the more I get these incredible comments and messages from families all over the world. No, not the nasty ones. (laughs) I'll share some of those later. No, I'm just kidding. Please Um, do. (laughs) We want to hear them. We want to hear it all. Someone the other day wrote me, was like, I I hate your face. Like, (laughs) I'm like, because I guess in my videos, she's like, it just looks like, you know, it's frozen or something. I'm like, I'm trying to concentrate on the music. You have to go with a reel, you know, on the music with the beat. But anyways, no, we're not talking about those, but, um, (laughs) oh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, so I have these amazing members of the community who are from all over the world. And I will say the community is growing and growing. And I've had so many, uh, people from around the world be attracted to my page, I guess, in the sense, because I'm not sharing, there are no rules, right? So um, a lot of them will share messages about the fact that, um, you know, bed, sh- I lost my train of thought. What no, no, we're talking about, yeah, you know, you, you were going in the right direction. Just, just whereas like women who have to go back to work yes. early. Okay. That's yeah. where we were. Okay. So it's interesting because a lot of countries around the world, this, you guys are going to get used to my, <laughs> yeah. I good. Lose focus. Um, but a lot of countries in the world who have an extended mat leave, who, um, you know, who have villages and communities of support, sleep training is unheard of in those countries. So it is really important to know that this is not a worldwide kind of practice. Countries with extended mat leaves and with um, villages and communities of support would are horrified by this only because it just would ne- like they would never not have people there to support the parent during the day. They would never be asked to go back to work at six weeks. Like that period of time where the mother is home with her child is very much respected and the parent is taking care of, the baby is taking care of. So there's no need to go to a practice like that. I also always say, because we have all these messages around, you know, don't bed share, don't, don't co-sleep, don't whatever, 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 put the baby in their crib, in their own room. That's how they sleep best. The fact that we're in a position um, to, d- to decide where our baby will sleep and how means that we're in a position of privilege. The fact that we're asking that question. Most countries and most parents in the world cannot afford a separate sleep space and a separate sleep surface. So, you know, a lot of the a lot of the things that we are doing, I do believe are the result of the lack of community, the lack of support. There was I was I posted the other day that like there's a rule that you can't separate six week old puppies from their parents or puppies before eight weeks. But a parent is supposed to go back to work at, you know, not even really six weeks, because a lot of parents were saying they're losing their job if they take that six weeks or if they end up in the NICU, like that's counting towards their time. So, you know, I do I do say that I understand that parents need a solution and I understand where sleep training comes from. But I also say that 
a lot of the practices that would keep us sane, like bed sharing for a lot of parents, um, sleep very well when they're bed sharing or feeding to sleep or rocking to sleep or doing all of these other things that get our babies to sleep faster. Like those are so frowned upon. So it's like, hey, you don't get a community, you don't get a village, you don't get anything. And then anything that's going to keep your sanity, those are bad. Those are really, really bad. Don't do those things. They're really bad, you know? And so it's where, what else are you supposed to do? It's almost like we're just left to feel like there's no other alternative, but that's where part of my approach. And, you know, I remember kind of being more in that weighted out camp when I first started this process. And then I was like, hold on, (laughs) that can't happen for so many people, but that's where I help families to make changes from day one. And we do it in the same way that we, you know, by understanding a, like what, you know, if you're bouncing on a ball for 45 minutes with your baby, our, our immediate response is, oh, I better sleep train, right? Like this is not working, but Hey, why don't, you know, if, why don't you stop bouncing? Oh, if I stop bouncing, my baby's going to cry. Yeah. He's going to cry. And that's okay. Like, you know, these are like, you have a pattern, you built a pattern, you're changing a pattern. And so now we're going to sit, we're going to kiss, love, hug, support our baby and say, normally I bounce, my back is hurting. I'm so done. Like I just, we're going to sit in a rocking chair or I'm going to lie beside you or whatever. It's going to take you a while to fall asleep. But like, guess what? I'm right here beside you. I love you. I'm going to kiss you more, more often than not the sleep training comes because we're we are a generation of people that are afraid of emotion. Uh, we didn't learn from our parents. Um, you know, whenever we had big feelings, we had big emotions, we were separated. We had timeouts, you know, they probably loved sleep training, you know, but whenever we had these big feelings, we learned very quickly that they weren't okay. Um, and so now we have babies who are sharing their big, beautiful feelings with us, and we are so triggered, we can't stay calm. And so we get to a place of like, okay, you need to be in your own room while you have those feelings, right? So when I say to parents, well, why don't you just stay and support them? They're like, ooh, I don't want my baby to cry, <laughs> you know? So I always say a lot of, like, I, I will say, obviously, there is a lack of support. You know, we don't have a village. We don't have a community. And we're because we are not allowed to do all these other great things that would keep us sane, sleep training makes sense. But it also comes from, I believe, that big fear of emotion and the inability to make changes the minute something's not working because we don't want to upset our babies. Yeah. Well, oh, that's so powerful. The whole timeout thing is huge. My husband's a big fan of timeout. And I was like, I think, I don't think that's supposed to be working. He's like, what am I supposed to do? You know? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, but I feel like we need to have an expert to tell us that timeouts aren't working. Cause it's, I've, I've seen some stuff out there too, about the whole emotion thing and God, there's so much to dive into here, Lauren. <laughs> I know. And that is like the root. I will say, I'm telling you of all that I've worked with thousands of families now. That is the root of every single challenge. I'm I like, I'm going to put out a little mini course on this for all my parents, because when you get the emotion piece right, when you understand it, when you see that, like, I'm saying bad behavior in air quotes, I don't know whether you're followers can be able to see this, but it's, <laughs> it's not like it's, it's, they're having, they're feeling disconnected. You're seeing their big, healthy, beautiful feelings, whether it's frustration or anger or sadness or whatever it might be. It's just that we cannot handle them. Right. So we're like trying to find all these like methods and things to make, to, to be able to get through them. And in reality, it's like, Ooh, you're having a hard time. If I was having a hard time, what would I need? I would need 
snuggles, closeness, contact, just until I can calm down and, and be able to move forward. So there is so much that I think is more related to emotion. And then, you know, it, it seems to be, oh, I can't deal with the emotion. Let me put you in your own room and then be on the outside of the door and want to respond to you with every fiber of my being, but I'm not going to. So. Oh my goodness. It's yes. That's so accurate. And <laughs> Lexi's face. <laughs> oh gosh, I'm doing it all wrong. No, but here's the thing. Here's the thing about this whole crazy thing is that if we didn't have all these rules and we just did it how we wanted to do it, the only reason why we don't, um, why this information is so hard to hear is because it's not what you felt like doing. You just felt yeah. pressured to do it or you were exhausted. And I, I totally get that. But you know, I always give the example of, um, again, I made the choice to stop breastfeeding a bit early and I work in the lactation world, like, you know, <gasps> Gasp. Like, um, but it comment, really like, comment. I know, I know I'm not going to, I'm not going to give any more details of exactly what I do, but I do work in the lactation world. And it's interesting because I sometimes will see parents come into the clinic and like break out in hives when they, you know, start breastfeeding and they just, they just really want it. They they have they sometimes will come to a place where it's just, hey, it's not for me, right? Whatever the reason is that anyone makes any decisions. But I made a decision um, to not breastfeed past a certain point in time because it just was something that worked for us. And I made I was able to make an informed decision. Like I learned about all the benefits of extended breastfeeding and I learned about what's in formula and I did all of that, you know, kind of on my own. So, you know, I was able to make that decision and um it felt right for me and for our family. And now when I go to pages and I read about extended breastfeeding, I'm not mad at them. I don't feel judged or shamed. I can, I'm able to move on and just say, eh, the hard thing about sleep training and especially this other side is that, and I hate to say it's the other side, but it is. So that's exactly what it feels like. It's like, you're either on one side or you're on the other side. Um, but when we start sharing about, Hey, you didn't have to do it or you never have to do it, or, you know, self-soothing isn't possible, or you can't train sleep, you know, when you start having those conversations, it's really triggering because, and I feel it because I did it, right? Because I wasn't given all the information and I, you know, or I didn't have the support to be able to parent in the way that I had hoped to, or whatever it might be. So it is, it's triggering and it's upsetting, but, you know, I would say, I think there's so many beautiful lessons that come along with sleep. And if you sleep trained, like so many beautiful lessons, um, it's never just about sleep, right? But if you sleep trained, one of the first lessons is just learning as a parent, you got to, you have to forgive yourself, you've got to move on. That's a part of parenting, we mess up like 25 times a day. But the really great thing is that we are in a relationship with our child, it's a relationship. And it's going to last hopefully, you know, many, many, many years. And so there's always opportunities for, you know, the, the relationships always change. Um, so just because something happened at six months or a month or whatever it is, it's okay. Like you're going to move forward. You find your new pattern with your child. And that's why I always just want parents to, I like to get to parents as early as possible. Um, but when I do find parents who have made a decision that didn't sit right with them, it's just about saying, yeah, that's, 
life as parents, but now I'm going to like tune out all the information and just like do exactly what I want to do in my heart uh, and trust that I am the best parent and that I will make the best decisions for my child and for my family. I think it's so, I mean, it's so empowering. Like, I feel like you are really just empowering parents to do what feels right, which is trusting in our guts. And as mothers, you know, that just gut instinct is so strong. So, and I think that that is a really hard part of sleep training as you are, like you said, going against that gut instinct. And for me, it was with Piper, it was very easy. Like I I didn't really need to sleep train her. She went, she was a very good sleeper from the beginning. So it wasn't really that same feeling with Clark. He was like the Klingon baby. Like he just wanted me. And so, but for me, it was, I, both babies, I was back to work literally. I mean, Clark was born three days before lockdown, um, wax on, we closed all of our locations three days after he was born. So my mind was that I just need to get him selfish really is like, I need to get him sleeping so that I can make sure that I can show up in my best way possible every day for him as a mother. And also like for my team and all that. So now reflecting back on him, that's where, what do you say hits so hard because what he probably did need was very different from what Piper did. And that, you know, he, he just wanted to be with me and it was a little harder for him to transition over. Um, and I, and he's a great sleeper. Like both of my kids ended up like, I'm, I feel really strong because it's like, they're great sleepers, but hearing this, I feel like you take just an empowering, like empowering powered parenting approach, I guess, which yeah. is really um, important, I think, so that we get the full picture. I thought I didn't dive in deeper and understand other perspectives because I would think that the other methods would mean I wouldn't have gotten enough sleep. Like that, that's exactly what I, I was like, if you do this, you're going to sleep. If you do this, like you're not going to sleep as well, which obviously like, yeah. I mean, you've been working nonstop, but she's taken a, di- a different, a different approach. Okay. Me. And it's right. Like Nikki, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I, I don't know. Like, okay. So I do Are you gonna share well. Nikki. I will share. I know. Why does it feel so weird to share? It's so funny. It's okay. Like, like this, I think, but if you don't, safe space. If you don't, I know, but if you yeah, don't, you have to you, like, if you don't, that's where like we get, we get stuck in these conversations because right. people who are sleeping differently, like I bed shared with my youngest and like, I had to keep it in the closet. It was an awful feeling. People would be like, Oh, well, why does she not have a crib? I'm like, yeah, I don't know. She's- <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I, and there are aspects to what I actually kind of, there are moments, let me be honest. I would love my youngest to sleep. My, my toddler sleeps great on her own in the crib. I did sleep train her and I didn't, it was similar to Lexi. It didn't feel like it was as, it wasn't, let me just say, it, it didn't really feel like a thing. It just sort of transitioned. And yeah, I close up a little bit, but she also was, just on the bottle. I never breastfed her. So it was, it was pumped milk for 10 months and then formula. And I have to say now with my second, this is the very first time I've experienced breastfeeding. I had never been able to just roll over or here, have a boob, go back to sleep. And now I'm like, it just sort of started right away. And now I'm like, this is so much easier than getting up at three in the morning to pump and then bottle feed and then blah, 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 blah. Like it's so much better. And I kind of was just like, I'm enjoying it. And I've I've shared like, this is my last baby. I'm not having any more. I'm just going to quote unquote, enjoy it while I can. And 
So that's sort of how it happened. It wasn't a conscious decision. I didn't even know going into my birth if I could breastfeed because I didn't know if I would have similar issues like I did with my first with latching and whatnot. And so I didn't consciously choose, well, I did all the research and co-sleeping is the best for blah, blah, blah. I was like, let's just see how this shit goes. <laughs> and that's yeah. that's how it happened. And now, and I reached out to you because I remember like DMs or whatever. And, and you know, I was like, I feel like I can't talk about it because he has a crib. He doesn't use it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I've had actually quite a few sleep trainers reach out to collab because of promotion they want, you know, and they're just like, Hey, I'll give you some sleep advice. If you share my page and share the methodology. And, and I'm just like, I've always just like ghosted. Like I haven't yeah. responded. I've been like, la, 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 la. Like, cause I don't know what yeah. to say. I'm just like, you know, I'm like, cool. Or I just don't read the message. Like I just, cause it feels uncomfortable. And I don't, I want everyone to know, like, I look at Lexi and I'm a little bit jealous because like, I'll be honest, I'm sure my husband would freaking love our kid to sleep yeah. in the crib. And I would love not to have to go on walks with my kid to go and get him to sleep in the stroller. Like it's not super convenient on some levels. Right. But it's, it's sort of, I just don't, I, I actually have a little bit of anxiety about like how long is this kid going to be in my bed for? He's 10 months old. <laughs> you know? And that's where, that's where you can, you can, you can check out my page anytime. Cause like, I don't really believe in, I don't advocate for waited out. Like, I really think that we have this fear in our head that if we don't fix it at six months, it's never going to, they're never going to want to trust me. I promise you, your child is not going to want to breastfeed forever. They're not going to want to be in your bed for forever. But if it, with the minute it stops working, that's what I say to parents. You want to use the crib, use the crib. You want a bed share, bed share. When it's not working, then switch it. And it comes back to the emotion piece. Like, I know you want to be in my bed. <laughs> I know that's where you're most comfortable, but hey, it's not working for us anymore. So let's put a floor bed in your room. I'll stay with you for a bit and we'll like work on this transition together. There's going to be tons of tears. I'm going to be right there with you. I'm going to say, I know this is really hard. I know you want to sleep in my bed. You know, and I have lots of other strategies that I tell parents because really like it's not an easy transition for children because I think we also have this idea that you know, because our child is, because we're going back to work, that that's the age that a child should be okay with more separation. That's not how it works. Like if you look at this from an actual attachment perspective, and I do want to clarify, uh, I am not, uh, I don't know what you say, like an attachment parenting. This is my approach is not based on attachment parenting. I do not believe in like doing all the eight things. And that gives you a secure attachment because it's not about the things that you do. It's about who you are, if who you are to your child. So if you're breastfeeding at three in the morning, you're, I don't know, your toddler and you're, they, you're mad because you just can't stand it. Right. You're frustrated <laughs> and you know, you're doing it because you got to do the thing on the list, right. To make sure you have that secure attachment. We've missed the mark. Right. So at the end of the day, I really do believe that parents, you know, you do something if it's working and when it's not working anymore, you treat your little one in the same way that you treat any other human that you love, who's having a hard time and you make the transition. And it's not, you know, easier at one time versus the other. And I think that that's one thing, and I hate to bring up sleep training culture, but I am going to bring it up because at the end of the day, we've, we've, we have so much from sleep training culture that we can't get rid of. And one of the, one of the things is seeing our children as less than because they're smaller than us. Like, since when do you ever have a relationship with anyone where you need a method 
you don't, right? Like you don't need a method to be a partner to your husband. You don't need a method to be a good friend to someone. But we start to bring in all these methods and these techniques with children and their people. And so intuitively we know how to get it right with everyone else. It's just that there's so much noise and so many methods and techniques and all this stuff. And it takes away from us seeing our children as people and understanding the relationship that we're in with them. And when we tune into ourselves, when we see it as a relationship, we can figure out parenting, right? It's like, that's pretty powerful. I like that. So to get him out of my bed. <laughs> yeah. So next steps back to that. <laughs> are, and that's yeah. like, so I and I will like be completely honest. Like I'll promote what I did. Like I tell my friends, like, here's what I did. Cause they're like, your kids sleep great. Like, what did you do? And I'm like, oh, here's what I did. And I I'm not like I didn't let I, I wasn't um I didn't have to have like Clark trying it out and for a tremendous amount of time, things like that, but it wasn't. Uh, what like you're saying, like it didn't feel natural of what I did. It felt like more of a textbook type of type approach, I guess. Um, but it worked. And so I was like, all right, well, it worked. Like I'm sleeping and he's sleeping and he's now happy and all of that. So yeah, like here, friend who just had a baby, here's what I did. Like this is the, yeah. the kind of method of what I did. But so yeah, but I mean, I just all of the the pieces that you say, I mean, it's just it's very, it's very um, powerful in terms of just the connection of you really d- diving into like that, like maternal connection that you have emotional connection, or parental connection with your child. Um, but I guess, yeah, like, what should Nikki do? <laughs> <laughs> Back to me. My problem. So, I'm watching your face and I'm waiting for this, like, and then you're like, what should she do? Um, we can, we'll, we'll talk about, we will talk about that, but I, I will say like back to the previous comment, just about the fact that like, we all should have, be able to have access to all the information to make an informed decision. And that's what I find so frustrating about being on this other side is that when we share this other information so that parents can have it and understand, like, I do think it's important to understand what we're doing when we are sleep training so that, you know, then we say, okay, great. I get it. I, you know, I know what I'm doing. I need sleep. I want sleep. I want my child to sleep down the hall. So we're, we're doing it. And then, and then no one would be so angry. Honestly, no one would care what anyone else was doing. If all the information was out there and we just made an informed decision, no one would feel judged or shamed or anything. It's like, I knew what I was doing. You know, it's like when people make a decision to be vegan, like, I don't know. I have all the information. You get to make up your mind. I don't care. Like, it's none of my business. Um, I I was, was, it's, it's the fact that the reason why I'm so targeted is because this is the first time parents are hearing it. And I think that's why parents get so mad because they're like, but it worked. And I'm like, yeah, okay, it's great. It worked. I know it works. But you sh- if the person who told you to sleep train and told you how to do it, told you why it worked, you wouldn't be so angry at me when you're hearing it for the first time. And that just tells me that that parent didn't have all the information that they didn't make an informed decision. Um, because I'm sure there will be parents who hear all the information and say, and that's what works for my family, and I will move on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it's that it's that not having information. And then it's really hard because people who are sharing this side, 
like we're, it's like an uphill battle and we just have a target on our back. Oh, I, I can absolutely appreciate that. That's and, and see it. But I also see on your page, a lot of the, the people who have been doing your technique that have been like hiding out probably and not sharing it are so appreciative of you speaking out like the amount of um, just like on your in your DM or your comments, the amount of appreciation for you showing this other side is like over the top. Um, people just seem so grateful for it as well. Right. Yeah. And it's funny because I remember someone saying I did a podcast with someone two years ago and she was like, and your approach is really controversial. And I'm thinking, is it? Okay, So I'm telling parents to follow their heart and their intuition (laughs) and I'm controversial. And I think it's like, you know, it's crazy because it seems more inclusive. I've talked to like some brands lately doing some stuff on the side Um, And it does feel more comfortable for people to come out with a sleep trainer as just a more inclusive option, right? It feels scary for people, although there's one who is doing it. So when you see it, just give them a big round of applause. Um, It feels scary for people to share the other side because it does seem like sleep trainers kind of get the recognition of being more inclusive. But I, I think because everyone else has had to hide what they're doing, those voices aren't getting out about how it actually does make them feel. Like, I know it worked for you. It actually only works in about 50% of the cases. So the research that we have on, the newest research we have on sleep training is that for 50% of babies, it didn't work. Um, And for it to be considered working, it only had to improve sleep, like sleep totals or sleep duration by 15 minutes. So for many babies in the, yeah. So if for, in order for the research to say that it worked, it only, babies only had to sleep an extra 15 minutes. So a lot of these parents who are using it, it's not necessarily some, we, we sometimes, sometimes parents are scared into doing it. Like you're going to harm your baby's development. Mm -hmm. They are just going to fail in life because they did not sleep those 16 hours and 24 that they needed to get. Why can't we throw out all of these garbage books and write? No, seriously. But why can't we put out the research that we know now, which says at three months old, one baby might sleep nine hours and 24 and the other might sleep 20 and 24. And guess what? They're both going to be fine. Or, hey, babies do wake up a lot at night. It is to be expected. Like these if we set parents up with this information, then, then that's another thing. Like we, we're, we're then, then they can make an informed decision without fearing that they're going to harm their baby or their child for the rest of their life. Um, but it's these messages that continue to make parents feel like, Hey, I tried sleep training. It didn't work. It's my fault. Hey, my baby wakes up at night. There's something wrong with them. It's my fault. Like, can you imagine if you were blamed for your partner's sleep? you know, like, oh, you are a bad partner, your partner woke up, you know, 10 times last night, and they had to go to the bathroom. And you just like, why do we take it's it's a biological function, just like eating and eliminating. It's not, you know, we're not teaching them how to ride a bike. It's a biological function. So, you know, it's, it's, it's sad, because I do believe that a lot of sleep training culture has put it on us that our baby's sleep is somehow a reflection of who we are as a parent. 
and it's not has nothing Wait, to do with us. What's this study? There's a there's a study, and I I don't obviously I'm asking you because I need you to clarify that they did that's sort of like constantly cited but actually kind of bullshit. What's the one? It's the one it was done with formula fed kids in like the 70s or something. Oh, yeah. So, Wait, so yeah. So the information that we have on like what actual normal infant sleep looks like comes from the 60s and 70s. I'll send you the study. It's in. Uh, James McKenna's book because he's like obsessed with this stuff. I love he's an incredible human, but he's great at questioning all this stuff. And so it was done on solitary sleeping formula fed babies, right? And so what they looked at is, you know, when you're hearing these numbers, like at six months, your baby should be sleeping through the night, or they should be sleeping six hours or eight hours. You're they're getting that information from these studies that were done a long time ago. But the problem is, that's not what we have now, like A, we're being told to co-sleep, not bed share, but even the AAP and Canadian Association of Pediatrics is saying co-sleep. Well, the minute the baby's sleeping in the same room as you, you may as well throw out those studies because those babies were solitary sleeping. If you were a breastfeeding parent, throw out the studies because those breast milk is digested quicker. So like the babies that we have today aren't sleeping like those babies and yet we think it's our fault. We failed. Those babies slept that time. And, you know, you've got your pediatrician saying, mm-hmm, you know, six months should be sleeping through the night. Something wrong with your baby. You better sleep train or you better stop breastfeeding one or the other. Um, and so we have this dated information that continues to inform what we think about baby sleep, what's normal infant sleep. And it's not true. So for anyone who wants to know what babies sleep like when they are breastfed or they are co-sleeping, Professor McKenna's got a great book called Safe Infant Sleep. And he is one of only two people in the world who have actually studied recently babies sleeping in sensory proximity to their parents. Oh, we're going to put that in the show notes. That's great. Yeah, that's amazing. So. Okay. Okay. Like the, uh, we're all like, it's like mic drop right there. Um, <laughs> you've got to tell us what is it that you want more? I think you've said this in what you've said, but I'd love you to just kind of say it again. What is it that you would like more parents to know about baby sleep? Yeah. I think that what I want parents to know about infant sleep is that there, you have to trust your baby. Like babies were sleeping just fine in utero, right? We didn't worry about how much they were eating, how much they were sleeping. We just trusted that they were doing what they needed to do. At the end of the day, you know, we have babies and we all of a sudden get fixated on schedules and, you know, you know, I have so many apps to like time sleep, to time feeding, to time all this stuff. But it is really important that parents just ignore all the noise, that they tune into their baby, they understand that their baby is unique, that they're not going to sleep the same way that every other baby at six months sleeps, um, that they are their own person. And then just to remember that how you parent your baby or what you choose to do, whether you want to feed to sleep or rock to sleep or any of this other stuff is no one else's business. And none of it is wrong you know, in every other country around the world, and they're doing it, they're rocking their babies, they're feeding their babies, they're sleeping close to their babies. So I think, you know, when we start to hear this information about baby sleep, it is really important that you question where it's coming from, and who it's benefiting, because it's probably not you and your baby. I think it's so I mean, this has been amazing. Like I have learned so much. And I know people are just gonna like anyone listening to this is just gonna feel more educated. And I think that that's like, I, I love that that's what you're all about, like that you just want everyone to hear the full story about sleep and 
and then you can do with what you please and not judge each other based off of our techniques because we have enough stress and mom guilt as it is and sleep does not need to be one of those especially when you're sleeping no No, exactly and again I think it's just it's so so important that we just kind of tune into our babies and that we you know find what works best for us but also you know for anyone who does hear this and come to my page or find me. I think a lot of them are going to be going to your. Well, <laughs> I want to like I just want to give people the heads up. The information is triggering, and if I can say one thing, I have um, in this journey um, to learn more about responsive parenting and conscious parenting and all of this. Um, every day I hear something or I read something that I'm like, oh goodness, you know. Um, I didn't do that. Or, you know, I, you know, I wish I did that. And I didn't do that. I I must, I'm going to mess them up for life. You know, I just want, I really want to keep coming back to the fact that this is a relationship and that it's never too late to change things. If it's something you want to do differently. Um, And the fact that you care means that you are an unbelievable parent. It's just, if, if, you know, my page is really, it's sad that my page exists because it's really just saying to parents, just do what feels right for you. It's sad that you have to have a page like that, but that, but that is the reality. And just really wanting to share with parents the other side so that you can make an informed decision because that's what I feel would have helped me um, and, and helped me let go of what happened um, when I did it, if I could have made that decision. So Thank you for that. And, uh, and just so everyone um, knows, can you just say where people can follow you? Yeah, so I'm probably most active on Instagram. So it's Isla Grace Sleep, I S L A G R A C E Sleep. Um, and I have tons of people are always like, well, how, how do I do this? How do I do that? I have tons of free downloads. I also host a weekly virtual village where I answer lots of live questions um, that anyone might have and try to give away as much free information as I can get. And I have lots of IGTV videos on how to switch patterns, how to make changes. Um, Amazing. Yeah. That's I'll be great. watching. <laughs> yeah, and then after this, Nikki's going to learn what she needs to do next. And uh, we'll keep <laughs> Nikki, I should use you as a case study. Uh, you can. Absolutely. I would love that. Sign me up. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you. Thank you, Lauren. And thanks, everyone. Um, look forward to um, you guys tuning into our next We Go There episode. Thanks, Lauren. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode. And in the meantime, follow us on Instagram at WeGoTherePodcast and check out WeGoTherePodcast.com for more info.